This is a talk on the respiratory system, covering the anatomy and physiology of the respiratory system. My name is Tamara Keith and I'm a paediatric trainee in London. This talk is based on the textbook Training in Paediatrics, the Essential Curriculum by the Oxford University Press. In this talk we're going to cover um, lung development, the mechanisms of breathing, lung volumes and capacities, lung function tests, spirometry, and defense mechanisms and immunity involved in the respiratory system. Firstly, we'll cover lung development. Lungs start to development from, develop from 28 days gestation, and the respiratory tract develops from endoderm. It undergoes extensive branching, morphogenesis, alveolization, angiogenesis, and vascularization. Lung maturity is the critical limiting factor in postnatal viability of preterm babies. A premature baby has surfactant deficiency, poorly developed alveoli, and is therefore at risk of RDS, respiratory distress syndrome. There are five main periods to lung development, and this is the main diagram in the textbook explaining this. And we're just going to break this down further and talk about each stage. The embryonic phase of lung development occurs up to week seven gestation. And this involves the primitive trachea separates from the primitive esophagus. Primary bronchial branches arise and lower airways lined with endoderm are established. The pseudoglandular phase lasts from week 7 to 17, and this is where airway formation is completed. The canalicular phase occurs from week 17 to approximately week 27, and this is where the branching of the peripheral airways is completed by week 24. The peripheral airways enlarge and aligned with thin epithelium. The thin epithelium is formed from type 1 and type 2 pneumocytes. Type 1 pneumocytes are responsible for gas exchange. They cover the majority of the alveolar surface area and they're unable to replicate, hence are susceptible to a toxic insult. Type 2 pneumocytes are found at the alveoli septal junction and are responsible for the production and secretion of surfactant. They can replicate and replace damaged type 1 pneumocytes. The saccular phase occurs from weeks 28 to 36. And this is where sac-shaped distal airways extend to form the alveoli. And hence, if you get a premature baby, say is born at 26 weeks, the saccular phase has not occurred. And so premature babies are at risk of having very poorly developed alveoli. The alveolar phase from week 36 onwards is where these alveoli multiply and at birth 30 to 50% of the adult number of alveoli are present. And as I said before it's the saccular phase and the alveolar phase that are affected when a baby is born prematurely as these phases are cut short. There's also postnatal lung development after a baby is born there's a tenfold increase in alveolar numbers from birth to three years. Subsequent lung growth occurs by alveolar enlargement. Before puberty, 
Girls have larger airways than boys, but post-puberty, boys have larger airways than girls. We're now going to talk about respiratory physiology and cover the mechanics of breathing and lung function tests. We're now going to talk about the mechanics of breathing. Newborn infants have what's known as an abdominal breathing pattern. They have weak intercostal muscles compared to the diaphragm, and so the diaphragm is the main muscle of ventilation in infancy. The scent of the diaphragm during inspiration is accompanied by the outward displacement of the abdominal wall. With age, the intercostal muscles strengthen, the ribs ossify, and the chest wall strengthens further. And this then becomes the primary mechanism of increasing intrathoracic volume during respiration. And so then the chest wall becomes the main way of breathing rather than abdominal breathing. Infants are what known as obligate nose breathers. This means they breathe through their nose instead of their mouth for approximately the first six months of life. Babies become short of breath with simply a blocked nose from a cold. Or if this is occurring straight away at birth, can sometimes be due to coanal atresia. This diagram is explaining the lung volumes and lung capacities. It's important to understand this diagram as you may in an exam have to label a diagram like this or at least understand what the definitions of each of these are. And I will just go over a few of the simple definitions and for each and every single one you can consult the textbook. Tidal volume is the volume of air inspired and expired during normal breathing. The residual volume is the volume of air remaining in the lungs after maximal expiration. Total lung capacity, the TLC, is the volume in lungs after maximal inspiration. This is a sum of the inspiratory reserve volume plus the tidal volume plus the expiratory reserve volume plus the residual volume. The vital capacity is the volume of air that can be exhaled after a maximal inspiration. And this is a sum of the inspiratory reserve volume, tidal volume and expiratory reserve volume. Lung function tests are used in various areas of medicine and these measure airway function, lung volumes and gas exchange. They can be used to detect and measure severity of lung dysfunction, evaluate response to treatment, monitor progression and predict prognosis, for example in cystic fibrosis, and measure effects of exposure to allergens. They are also used to assess the risk for surgery. And they can be used to distinguish between obstructive and restrictive disorders. Spirometry can be performed in patients over the age of five years who can follow simple instructions. The volume of gas expired and flow rate is recorded and data is presented in a flow volume curve. During spirometry, a child is asked to take a maximal breath in, then breathe out into a mouthpiece as hard and as fast and as long as possible. The best of three results is recorded and the volume of air shifted is the forced vital capacity and volume of gas and flow rate is also recorded.
measurements taken during spirometry are the forced vital capacity, the forced expiratory volume in one second, and then you are able to work out the ratio of the FEV1 over FVC. Normal is 75 to 80%. This is just a simple diagram which I've drawn to illustrate the differences in the flow volume curve in a restrictive and an obstructive disease and that of normal patient. In obstructive lung disease, there's airflow limitation, for example in asthma or cystic fibrosis. There's a lower peak during expiration than a normal patient. The appearance becomes scalloped as small airway obstruction becomes more severe. There is a decreased FEV1, that is the forced expiratory volume, in one second. And the FEV1 over FVC is generally less than 80%. The total lung capacity is normal or increased. Reversibility can be determined by repeating spirometry 15 minutes after a bronchodilator is administered. And if the FEV1 increases by 15%, this indicates reversibility. Restrictive lung disease has diminished lung volumes. The FVC and expiratory flow are both reduced and the FEV1 over FVC is normal or increased. The total lung capacity and force vital capacity are reduced. This further illustrates those points that obstructive lung disease has decreased FEV1 with normal total lung capacity and restrictive respiratory disease has normal FEV1 and reduced total lung capacity. I'm now briefly going to mention the defence mechanisms involved in the respiratory system. Mucus secretion is an important physical barrier and this is disrupted in cystic fibrosis. Ciliary action is used to propel mucus to be swallowed or expelled and this is disrupted in primary ciliary dyskinesia. Innate immune, immunity, part of the body's immune system, involves complement and lysozyme and cellular immunity, T-cells and B-cells are involved directly in combating virus and bacteria. In summary, we have discussed lung development starts at 28 days gestation. Lung maturity is the critical limiting factor in postnatal viability in premature babies. Newborn babies have an abdominal breathing pattern. We've discussed lung volumes and capacities and again I refer you back to the diagram in the textbook. And spirometry can be used to differentiate between restrictive and obstructive lung disease. This talk is based on the textbook Training in Paediatrics, the Essential Curriculum by the Oxford University Press. Thank you for listening.